This is the GOAT Level Podcast with your host, the GOAT, the legend, the hero, Van Pugh. Let me start off by saying that I am so glad that DeMar Hamlin is okay. Because when I recorded the show, it was right before Monday Night Football on January 2nd. So when this happened, I immediately thought back to when the Bengals played the Dolphins and I was at the game when Tua got hurt and his hands seized and they had to attend to him on the field for like 20, 30 minutes and then he got carted off by ambulance. No, it wasn't an ambulance, but he did get carted off, I think. Yeah. I thought it was another one of those situations. Then I saw the replay. I was like, that doesn't look right. I still thought it was just like the Tua thing. Maybe it's just another concussion. But you look at the hit, it the head wasn't really involved. And I'm just like, wow. I didn't think it was that serious. I didn't I knew it was serious, but I didn't think it was as serious as it turned out to be. I p- turned on my game. I played Madden. I think I played Bengals and Bills, or no, I played 2K. Yeah, I played some 2K. I was like, by the time I finish this 2K game, they'll be done played, and it'll be close to halftime. No big deal. Then I see a tweet that the Bills and Bengals go into the locker room. Then I saw, and then I saw um, the replay again, and I just kept looking at it. And I'm like, yeah, this is serious. When I saw they had a to do CPR and had an AED, okay, that's serious. That's nothing like the Tua thing. He literally died. But they were able to keep his heartbeat. Poor guys that were on the field and the coaches. It was so emotional. I mean, I know how it feels, you know, seeing someone just unconscious like that. You know, Happened at happened at my church like 15 years ago. With my cousin, you know, she had like a a brain aneurysm or something like that, and she was out, and we was all worried, and it was such an emotional scene. So it was just it was just like that. She's she's still living in here today, but but still, like I know how that can be when someone goes out cold like that. But you know, um, during the week. So so they stopped playing, right? They stopped playing. Good move. You know? Everyone who made insensitive tweets like Skip Bayless, even though I think his tweet got taken a little bit out of proportion, but I'm going to leave that alone. Uh, they got jumped on. Okay. It was, it was a tough time. Everyone came together for the most part. Coaches, players, media, people on Twitter, they all came together for DeMar Hamlin. I had no idea who that guy was until the hit. It's just another one of them guys. Is he from Pittsburgh? I think if I was from Pittsburgh, I'd know who he was. But I'm not from Pittsburgh. I'm from the DMV. Just like some DMV guys in the league, I know that other people don't know. You know what I'm saying? So I guess more Pittsburgh people know him and more Pitt people, like Pitt Panthers and Bills, of course. But you know the everyday sports fan don't really know, didn't really know who he was, 
And the news just kept getting better and better. Him keeping his heartbeat was the good was the first good thing. Then he was able to write and keep his motor functions. That was a big thing. And then he was able to talk. That was a big thing. Then he was able to FaceTime his friends and family. That was a huge thing. Then he was watching the game with his family and tweeting and everything. That was a big thing. Then he checked out of the hospital. And I'm like, man, this is amazing. He Not only he checked out of the Cincinnati hospital, now he checked out of the Buffalo hospital. This guy, I'm sure he still has some recovery to go, but he's alive. He's He got better day by day and day by day. I think from what I've seen on Twitter, he got hit at the wrong place at the wrong time and it stopped his heart. That's from what I've seen. I forgot the term of what what's that called, but that's what happened. The news just kept getting better every day and now he's home with his family and I don't know what's next. I think he's going to be around the team. I think he's going to be at the playoff game and that's going to be huge. Uh, speaking of that, Naeem Himes running back two kickoff returns, especially that one to open the game was sick, man. I Man, if I would have been a fly on the wall at that place, man, I can imagine the excitement, the joy, the emotion after he scored that touchdown. I can't imagine, man. What better way to honor DeMar with coming out with that? That is just awesome. And, you know, your people just did a lot for for this guy. You know what I'm saying? It just shows that we can come together for a good cause if we really want to. And that's and that's a great thing. And his charity got millions of dollars. I wonder what he's going to do with that. It's just awesome. Uh, I wonder what's next. Does he decide to play football again? I I don't think he should, but it's up to him. Or is he just going to fall back and just do something else and maybe just be involved with the team some other way? Only time will tell. But I'm glad DeMar Hamlin's doing well. I thought about doing an episode right after everything happened because this was just the biggest sports news and it dominated all the sports talk for like a whole day, day and a half. I thought about it, but then I didn't do it. So I'm getting all my thoughts out now. I'm just so glad this turned out for the best. Or this turned out better than worse. I'm glad we didn't lose him. I'm glad he isn't paralyzed. I'm glad he has all his motor functions. Now let's just see what happens from here. Okay. Now I got to talk about OU Kansas. Okay. Basically... We had him. In the words of the great Dennis Green, they are who we thought they were. And we let him off the hook. Unbelievable, man. I really thought we had it. This game was just like last year's game. Just like last year's game. Because I come from D.C., I fly into Kansas City, I get a rental car, I drive all the way out there, but however, 
this time I was late, but th- that's neither here nor there. Basically, I come into arena. I'm in awe because every seat is filled. The fans are, you know, got their undivided attention on the game. They're very passionate. The student section's going wild. There are banners all over the place. You're just in awe of the atmosphere of the fog or Allen Fieldhouse, whatever you want to call it. It's just an amazing venue for college basketball. Historic. The team's always good. It's a great place to watch basketball. There's not many places that rivals that. So once I get done with the awe, I see that the game is close. Just like last year, the game in the first half, it's a one, two-point game at halftime. The teams are trading buckets. And then in the second half, the teams are trading buckets again. And then Kansas going a little bit of a run. And then we crawl our way back in it. We crawl our way back in it. I don't know what that was. But we crawl our way back in it. And then Kansas kind of pulled away. Well, there's a little bit of a difference between last year and this year. See, last year, you know, it was back back and forth, bucket for bucket. Then Kansas got like an eight-point lead. And then we brought it back. And then Clements hit a big three to put them up five. And they kind of kept us at arm's length, but... We were able to get one last shot to tie the game, and we missed. This year, around that time, we go up 10. And I'm thinking, this is it. We finally got them. It's 81-71. We call timeout. And I'm like, no, they call timeout. And I'm like, we finally got them. It's finally going to happen. Five minutes to go, and then it happened. 18 to 4 run by Kansas. Game over. Our only two buckets was a goaltend and two free throws. Unbelievable. We lose by four. Kansas had 40 free throws, saw 23. I could talk about that. Uh, I might. I might later on in the segment but here's the thing about these free throws though because everyone's talking about it kansas missed a lot of free throws while we had the lead or while we were you know tussling for momentum they were missing free throws like they were missing every other free throw like they'd make one miss one make one miss one or they make one make one and then miss one miss one and then make one Bro, it was like that for a while for Kansas. And then I tweeted, I'm so glad Kansas decided to not make their free throws today or something like that. They only missed one free throw after that. That was about like the 8 to 10 minute mark of the second half. They made all their free throws down the stretch. But see, when it comes to, okay, I will talk about it. When it comes to the free throw discrepancy, some of them fouls were obvious. And they went both ways. But some of them fouls they called on us, there was a stretch in the game where we literally would touch them, and it's a foul. Like, we barely even touched them, 
and it's a foul. Sure, we got some out-of-bounds calls that didn't make sense. I don't know how we got the ball in those situations. But some of them fouls they were calling, it, it happened more against us than against them, were ridiculous. There's no reason why we should have been in the double bonus with some of them fouls when our players are jumping straight up. You're supposed to be vertical when you're defending shots or when you're defending layups. You're supposed to be straight vertical. You're not supposed to be, you know, not vertical. You're not po- definitely not supposed to be horizontal. You're not supposed to push them. You're not supposed to lean into them and stuff straight up. As less contact as possible. And they were still calling fouls. Still. I couldn't believe some of them fouls. I was like, are you kidding me? I, you should have seen my face after some of them touch fouls they called. It was unbelievable. And back to the similarities between both trips to uh, KU. Both of them ended in disappointment where... I could taste victory, and then I leave in disappointment. And then the day after the game, someone that's not a Kansas fan in Kansas City tells me, oh, that's what always happens when you go to Allen Fieldhouse. The game gets close, and then the refs start cheating or whatever, and then Kansas wins. (laughs) Uh, I'm just paraphrasing. Or... Some voodoo magic happens, and then Kansas wins. It's just impossible to win there. That's what my cousin-in-law's uncle said last year at the Super Bowl party. And that's what Carrington Carrington Harrison said on 610 AM Kansas City. It's just when you go in Allen Fieldhouse, you can't leave it into the hands of the refs because you're going to lose. And that's exactly what happened the last two years. Leaving in the refs' hands and you can't execute down the stretch. Both seasons, we take terrible shots at the end of the game and we just refuse to play defense and get a rebound. I <sighs> The refs didn't help, but... We have to execute better. Grant Sherfield airballing a three when we needed it down two, I believe. It just can't happen. Just can't happen. I think it was Jacob Groves or the Tanner. I think Jacob. Number 35, the, the, the bigger one. Him missing a three down the stretch wide open. We needed that. It's just that, man, it's just so much heartbreak. I think this one hurts more than the last one. I mean, last year hurt, too, because we were one shot away from winning the game. This time, we had a 10-point lead. Now, I didn't think, now, I was a little nervous when right after the 10-point lead, like 10 seconds later after the timeout, they uh get a big dunk and the crowd goes wild and then they hit a three and the crowd really goes wild and then they score twice more and now all of a sudden it's like a one point game i i just can't believe it man 18 to 4 run 18 to 4 run 
I think OU has one more chance to win at Allen Fieldhouse before they go to the SEC. Unless uh, Oklahoma and Texas somehow gets a buyout or whatever and gets to go to the SEC early, I think we're going to have one more chance to win at Kansas. If we don't win, I don't think it's going to be years before we get another chance. And they haven't won at Allen Fieldhouse since 1992. Weeks after the Washington sitcoms last Super Bowl parade. Literally weeks after. Of course, us winning in Kansas, the Washington sitcom getting past the second round. Hasn't happened since 1992, and I thought the last two years, Oklahoma had a great chance of winning. There were at least five instances in the last, like, 10 to 15 years where we were just a player or two away of winning at the fog, and yet somehow, some way, we just don't. I can't believe it. I knew, I don't think, I, I, I think I may have said this last episode, but looking at them almost losing to like Northern Utah and them almost losing to Oklahoma State at home gave me a lot of confidence that Oklahoma can come in there and win, and they had it. They had it, but they couldn't get it done. And honestly, this might be a trend. Because they're 1-3 in the Big 12. But they haven't lost by any more than four points. And all three of those games have something in common. Lack of late game execution. Grant Sherfield scores all these buckets. But yet, when it comes to the last minute of the game, he gets strapped. Or he starts missing shots. You cannot be serious, bro. This team, this team blows me, bro. This team, because of their lack of late-game execution in pivotal games against all against ranked teams, these are resume builders, man. This type of stuff is going to keep you out of the tournament. You have to figure out how to close out these games or we're not going to make the tournament. I know the Big 12 is a tough league. Our strength of schedule is going to help us. Joe Lenardi got us in the tournament right now. That's right now. Keep losing these games, and we're not going to be in the tournament. We're going to be in the NIT again. And you saw what happened the last time we were in the NIT. Yeah, I get it together. Heartbreak. Heartbreak once again. But I will be back in Kansas City next year for the rematch and maybe the last shot. If the Sooners don't bolt for the SEC a year early. Okay. Real quick. Week 18. Them birds. You gonna respect the bird. And that is the word. Let's see. Our play recently have y'all disrespecting the bird. And that's not right. 
They still going to the Super Bowl. And you're going to have to deal with it. They haven't played well the last three weeks. Two weeks we didn't have Jalen. And then we have Jalen. Our offense still isn't where it needs to be. Too many field goals against the Giants. The defense played outstanding once again, especially for one half. The second half against the Saints, the first half, the first three quarters against the Giants, spectacular. I don't know what happened in the fourth quarter. I don't know how they start letting Davis Webb start picking them apart and almost almost let them come back. How they let they let Galladay score? This man hasn't scored a touchdown in like three years, but he scores on us. But you know what? It's no big deal. You know why? You know why this ain't a big deal? Because the bird is the word. And we won, and we're the NFC champ. And now Jalen gets an extra week to rest because there's reports that his shoulder was sore after the game. So he gets an extra week to heal the shoulder. Y'all are in big trouble. So now we get to correct what's wrong and we get whoever comes out of this trash heap wild card and we're going to put it on them. My best guess is, my best estimated guess is that the Eagles will play against the Cowboys. And they will be ready this time. I'm serious. They will be ready this time. I'm mad the Eagles almost got the sack record that the 84 Bears set. The same 84 Bears that lost to San Francisco in the NFC Championship. They also smashed the Washington sitcom. Or was that the 85 Bears? I don't know. But that that Bears team came up short. I mean, of course, those two years, 84-85 Bears, the teams that beat them, are the offensive juggernaut teams or teams with a really good quarterback. And that's what we could do to the 49ers. Or that's why when the 49ers get to the Super Bowl and play the Bills, the Bengals, or even the damn Chargers or the Jaguars and the Bengals, they're going to be in trouble. Because they're going to go against a good quarterback and good receivers and they're going to be in trouble. You saw they struggled against the Raiders. But to get back on point, the Eagles almost broke the sack record. A.J. Brown broke Mike Quick's record for the most single-season receiving yards. That's crazy. You would think T.O. would have that record. But you got to remember he got hurt late in the season. And then the second season, he basically got sent home midseason because of whatever drama they were going through. So it wasn't T.O. because of nonsense and injuries. So that makes sense. You know, congrats all around. This is a great season, but we ain't done yet. Like Jalen Hurst said, yet to play our best football. That is why y'all are in trouble. Because it is true. They have yet to play their best football. Yet, statistically, other than the Bills and maybe the Niners, they are the most well-balanced team in the league. Y'all are in trouble. Even the run defense, like, it's improved. I don't think any of these teams in the NFC can run the ball on us. Maybe, maybe the Cowboys, but that's it. That's it. Everybody else, no chance. 
Now, speaking of them boys, what happened? Uh, how'd you lose to the commanders? Take a double L. Take a double L. Take a triple L. Are you kidding me? I thought the commanders had no chance, especially since they started how? Every time you count them out in a big game, they show up and they play well. But yet, they can't show up against the Browns. And last year, they couldn't show up against, oh, I don't know. who. What, what chump teams did they lose to last year? Oh, my God. It was, it was a list of them. Basically, it was the same thing. The commanders start off slow. They go on a midseason run, and then when December comes, they choke. They get knocked out of the playoffs, and then they win a meaningless last game of the season. And then they go into the new season trying to look for a quarterback, being optimistic, and then we end up at the same place again. We're about a game and a half away from triple 7-10 and ten seasons. I even predicted beginning of the season they were going to be 7-10. and 10. However, this team somehow beat the Cowboys who played all of their starters and just decided not to show up. They got punked. They couldn't run the ball. Tony Pollard looked pedestrian. Dak Prescott, it, he made the critics look right. Even the critics from his own fan base looked like geniuses. Because he played awful and threw a pick six to Kendall Fuller. Kendall Fuller isn't even a best corner. Benjamin St. Juice is like, come on, man. What is blood doing? That was terrible. And look at his stats. Look at this. I'm going to pull up the stats right now because this is terrible. Oh, Stephen A. cooked them. (laughs) Stephen A. cooked them. Uh, his stats, 47, okay, wrong, 14 for 37, 128 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Terrible. Tony Pollard, seven carries, 19 yards. C.D. Lamb, five receptions, 52 yards. But this guy looked like a Hall of Famer versus the Eagles. Whatever the Washington Commanders did, why couldn't we do the second time, because the first time, remember, the first time they lost. So, wow, I'm just speechless. And Sam Howell only passed for 169 yards. Jared Patterson, and not even Brian Robinson, Jared Patterson had 17 carries for 78 yards. Gibson and Robinson was out. Still punished them. You And this is a game where they could have stole the division or something like that. And they still choked. It now. It, it has even Cowboys fans. Even Cowboys fans. I think are 40-60. On whether or not. They're even going to beat Tampa Bay. But I think. They're going to beat Tampa Bay. Because they're way better than Tampa Bay. And I just. Even though. Tampa Bay has the GOAT. They have Tom Brady. It doesn't matter. They just lost to 
the Falcons by double digits. A Falcons team that, I swear to God, hasn't won a game in two months. And they lost them. And all season, the Buccaneers have been inconsistent and barely got to the playoffs. They, they won a bunch of games at the last minute. They had no business beating the Saints the second time. They, they escaped with the Cardinals game. They were down 14-0 to Carolina the second time. Like, the Rams game was, was a joke. Like, this team is just not that good. I've seen them get blown out by the Chiefs and the 49ers. Bro. And I don't think the Buccaneers can block the pass rush, even though the Cowboys pass rush lately has been non-existent. I still don't think the Buccaneers can block them. Especially when Tom Brady is kind of a statue in the pocket. We'll see. We'll see. I just don't think the Buccaneers, the way they've played all season, are going to beat the Cowboys. But everyone is split on this. I'm taking the Cowboys are the better team. They've been a better team all year, so they're going to win. The other people was like, the Cowboys haven't played well lately. Dak isn't that good. And Brady owns the Cowboys. Okay, whatever side you take, it's on Monday night. It should be a good game. I can't wait. I can't wait to watch it for sure. You know, as soon as I come back home from the Howard game, assuming I go, I'm going to watch this game and I cannot wait. Now, speaking of the NFL playoffs, I'm going to make some quick predictions. I'm going to make some quick predictions. Um, Let's see. Seahawks and 49ers. Man, how about these division rematches? I've never seen so many division rematches in the playoffs in my life. So the 49ers beat the Seahawks twice. The first time wasn't even close. They choked them out. I think that was the week after the Seahawks scored like 50 on the Lions, which was crazy. Um, and then the second game I watched, I watched, I think it was on Monday Night Football. I mean, it may have been Thursday Night Football. I think it was Thursday. And I watched the 49ers defense harass Geno Smith the whole game. Yet somehow, some way, they were still in it and were one score away from tying the game up. However, the 49ers are way better than this team. And I'm expecting uh, 28 to 14. I'm expecting 28-14 49ers. Chargers and Jaguars. Jaguars at home. Their fans are going to be lit. This is a young, hungry team with a few veterans sprinkled in like Marvin Jones. Um, The Chargers are very inconsistent, but they have the talent. I don't know who's going to be playing. Like Mike Williams just got hurt. Uh, they should have Eckler. They should have Keenan Allen. Um... The defense, defense isn't bad. I don't know what they were doing against the Broncos, but they looked great against the Rams, but then again, it was the Rams. But I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to go with the – I kind of want to go with the Chargers because they got the slightly better quarterback. 
and they got the slightly more experienced team. Even though it's the Jaguars at home and that crowd going to be crazy, I'm going to lean towards the Chargers, but we'll see. We'll see. I got the Chargers by three for now. So then we got Dolphins and Bills. Listen, two is not playing. I know both games were close in the regular season. I know the Dolphins' defense have been playing really well lately, but I can't see it. The Bills are going to win. The Bills are going to win probably by 17. You know, I, I got I got I got the Bills winning 30 to 13. Let's just go with that. Uh let's see. Giants and Vikings. This is a good game the first time. It's gonna be a good game again. Uh I got Vikings. It says they're gonna be a three point favorite. I got them winning by three. I got the Vikings winning. Uh I got the Vikings winning like 27-24. Just like last time, right? It was one of the games of the year. It is just going to come down to the wire again. And I can't wait. Bengals and Ravens. No Lamar Jackson. I don't think he's playing. They still don't know if he's going to practice. He's not playing. There is no way. Tyler Huntley looked like he's going to be hurt too. I I got this. I got the Bengals winning by, by 10. You know, I got them winning like 20 to 10. Like, the Ravens' defense is going to make it somewhat respectable, but they're going to lose. Now, the main event, the Cowboys and the Bucks. I got the Cowboys winning. Shoot, man. I got the Cowboys winning 34-21. I'm telling you. But we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I know the Cowboys are 0-7 all-time versus Brady. That's what this website says on CBSSports.com. I know that's what it says, but the Cowboys are way better than Buccaneers. Even with all that star power they have, I look at the total picture and you will see, and I see that the Cowboys are the better team, as much as I hate to say it. So if all this holds up, you're going to have Cowboys and Eagles in Philly, and I can't wait. That's going to be a hype matchup. That's going to be one of the most hype matchups of the season. And boy, I can't wait. Well, it, it, it's gonna it's gonna even be more hype than Bills Bengals rematch. The, I mean, looking at what happened last time, man, it, it's gonna be hype, but it still ain't gonna be hype as Eagles Cowboys. That's a rivalry, or uh, or Chargers Chiefs. Like, come on now. So I'm pretty much going chalk. You know, I think uh, look out for. Seattle may be winning if they can figure out that defense. I wouldn't be surprised if the Jaguars won. Wouldn't be that surprised. Well, if the Bucks won, I could I could see that, especially if the game's close late. If the game is close late, I wouldn't be surprised if the Bucks won. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if the Giants won. Eagles-Giants would be dope, even though we beat them twice. I'm pretty sure we can beat them three times. I mean... Listen, division rematches where the where the home team has won twice, they're twelve and five. I got that stat from the internet. I, I swear to God, look at look at my profile and you'll see I, I retweeted that. So usually the better team has the advantage. Surprise. 
They say it's hard to win three times, but it happens. It's happened before. It happened to the Eagles. The Eagles lost to the Cowboys twice, and then they got blown out in the third game. Sometimes you just have a team's number in a given season. I think we have the Giants' number, and if we play them again, ironically, in 2000, the Giants beat the Eagles twice, and then they played them a third time and beat them again. It's going to be a role reversal if the Giants play the Eagles in the second round. Watch. Okay, real quick, man. The national championship was a joke. So, unlike 2013, and it's a lot of comparisons to 2013, um, there was a Wizards game on that day, too. The Wizards played OKC. I decided to stay home and watch the national championship because I can't miss this. I want to see Notre Dame get blown out. And that's exactly what happened. I enjoyed every minute of it. This time, though, I actually paid for a ticket as part of my partial season plan or whatever I bought. And I was like, you know what? I might as well go. I'm not going to get much money for these tickets. I'm going to just go. I went. I'll talk about the Wizards game in a second, but basically the Wizards got killed. And I still made the right decision because TCU died even worse. Now, I was looking at the game through ESPN GameCast. Georgia go bang, bang, 7-0. That's no surprise. Then they get the ball back. Look like they're going to score again. They kick a field goal. Oh, okay. Nice stop by TCU. TCU gets a 60-yard pass and a busted through a busted coverage, and then they score. I was like, uh-oh, they might upset these guys. And then the onslaught happened, and I just kept looking at my game cast like, wow, he threw an interception there. Wow, they scored again. Once they went up 24-7, I just knew it was a wrap. I just couldn't believe it. Then it was 31 to 7. Then it was 38 to 7. I'm like, Jesus. By the time I got home from the game, I left slightly early. I left in the fourth quarter. I left mid fourth quarter. By the time I got home, it was 45 to 7. Then Georgia scored. Ooh, wow. Georgia scored three more times. <laughs> They scored three more times. Bro, bro, I turned the game off when they scored that last time. They had their, like, scout team in, and they still scored. TCU offense couldn't do a thing. And I'm just like, it was one of the most embarrassing beatdowns ever. TCU fans got to know how I felt. When OU basketball lost to Villanova in the Final Four in 2016, it felt exactly like that. Except this time, I don't have a dog in a fight, and actually TCU is a conference rival for now. For now. And I'm like, they look completely outmatched. See, that's why the bookmakers are pretty smart. We were all laughing like, 13? 13? What? Georgia's 13-point favorites? See, this is why they're bookmakers and we're not. They study. They study. They got a whole lot of data. 
So they knew something. They knew this was a mismatch way before we did. And it showed on the field, but no one could have ever expected, even the bookmakers, that it would be 65 to 7. They didn't even show up. They just got completely dominated. It just, listen, when a blowout like that happens, you just question everything. Like, how we let TCU get this far? How did OU let them blow how did how did OU let TCU blow them out? Why couldn't Texas score an offensive touchdown versus that team? Why in the world did Baylor not handle business up to what less than a minute to go at home against TCU? Why couldn't Oklahoma State who had a big lead at TCU, why couldn't they hold on and beat this team? You question all, why couldn't Michigan not turn the ball over, stop turning the ball over against TCU? I'm just looking at it, and I'm just like, imagine if two of those things happened. Imagine if two of those games was different. They wouldn't be in the dang playoffs, and it would be Alabama and maybe Ohio State in the championship. This is ridiculous. It made me feel like college football and all their opponents gave uh, gave the sports world, did the sports world a big disservice by getting punked by TCU during the regular season and the postseason. Kansas State, even with a third-string quarterback late in the game, in the regular season, the, the game that they lost. Why couldn't they get it done? We could have avoided this nonsense. We could have avoided this massacre if the teams that played against TCU handled business. I fell for it. I fell for the story. I felt for the magical carpet ride that TCU was on. I said they were going to win. I thought they were a team of destiny. I thought that they were such a well-balanced team and that offensively they were going to give Georgia problems. Boy, was I wrong. Michigan probably would have lost too. But they would have did better than TCU did. And I am sick right now that, that they were allowed to get this far. Still a great season, and there's a lot to be proud of on their end. But, man, I just felt like they had no business being there after saying that. It's just crazy to me, man. But, hey, um, they won all those games. They won all those games, and, you know, they beat Michigan, who beat Ohio State. So, I guess... Maybe they did deserve it, but it was just such a bad matchup. Oh man, I'm just I'm just disgusted. I'm just disgusted. And of course Alabama's fans would say saying, see, we blew out Kansas State, who TCU struggled with. We would have blew out TCU too. Uh yeah, maybe. Probably. But dang man, I'm just sick. We deserved a better 
national championship game. And hopefully, hopefully, it's a closer game next season. Hopefully, because I can't. I mean, it's cool when a team you really dislike is on the other end of that, like 2013 Notre Dame, 2012 Notre Dame. But when it's a team, I don't really, I'll kind of learn to tolerate TCU, even though I don't like how they blew us out. I, you know, their conference rivals. Still, I tolerate them. I don't straight up dislike them like 2012 Notre Dame. So I didn't take as much joy in them losing. But, you know, of course, I laughed at all the jokes on Twitter and on TV. Because, wow, because you just shouldn't have allowed that to happen. Wow. Okay. Enough of all that. Speaking of the Wizards and the game that happened around the same time as the national championship. Now, before I get into that game against the Pelicans, these clowns are losing to the Bulls at home 59 to 46 at halftime. So by the time you listen to this episode, hopefully they would have came back and won this game. But something tells me that they're not winning this game and it's going to be yet another loss. And you know what? The Wizards are on the outside looking in. They are on the outside looking in right now in the standings. You need to be top 10 in the conference to make the playoffs or to play in. And they are behind the Bulls, who are they playing, who they're playing now. They're two games behind them, and they're losing to them right now. They've lost three in a row. Now, one reason is we don't have Bill. But another reason is we ain't playing defense. I wish I had the stats on me, but seriously, like, we don't, dude, we just don't guard bigs. Like, Valanchunas had, like, 20. He had 20 in the first half against the Wizards. I'm not kidding. Valanchunas. Oh, C.J. McCollum. C.J. McCollum, because the Wizards jumped out to, like, an 8-0, 10-0 lead against the Pelicans. C.J. McCollum had, like, 22 in the first half. He had 30 overall. He destroyed the Wizards. This is a team who didn't have Brandon Ingram and did not have Zion Williamson. And they still blew out the Wizards by 20. We got washed. Man. And I lost the 50 for 50. Well, I've never won a 50-50 raffle anyway, so, I mean, what's that? what else is new? But, man, we got cooked. We got cooked. Terrible. Trash. And it's just like, I just thought it was going to be like the Memphis game where, you know, we blew them out. Or it was going to be like the Sixers game where we surprised and we had control most of the game. Even though uh, Embiid and Harden did their thing, we still won. But the Pelicans really turned up defensively, kind of like the Clippers did late in the third quarter. And then they just, 
they just went on an onslaught. Bunch of easy buckets. They started making threes. Jose Alvarado was making threes. They were killing us, man. They killed us in that second half. They were up 25. Once they, once they got up 25, I left. I was like, this is ridiculous. Quit. We're just giving up easy buckets in the paint. This is what we've done all season. Poor Zingas and Gafford do not defend the paint very well. It is annoying because these guys are really tall and with long arms, but they cannot but they cannot stop these bigs mostly because they're skinny and they get pushed around. It blows me. Now, we don't have Bradley Bill. We have just about everybody else, including Kuzma and Porzingis. So I'm like, how is this happening? How are we on another three-game losing streak? Unreal. And we're we're on the way to a four-game losing streak. This team is a roller coaster. And the roller coaster is going to end with us maybe – being in the playing game, and from the looks of it, we're going to have to play ice trade again. And like I said probably the last two episodes, I don't see us beating ice trade again in DeJounte in Atlanta. It's going to be very hard. With that crowd and that atmosphere, Trey Young, he just goes crazy when the lights are bright. Mm-mm, bro. We can't stop C.J. McCollum. I know we can't stop Trey Young, and that's on everything. So yeah, hopefully we get it together, man. This ain't looking good, but yeah. Okay, now about the Caps. Now the Caps have cooled off. The Caps have cooled off. Now this is an interesting stretch they're on right now. Oh, they're losing to the Flyers. Wow. So they're playing right now too. They're in Philly. That's a game I possibly could have went to, but I'm in Kansas City right now, so obviously that's out of the question. Um, this is a weird stretch you're on because uh, they lost to the Sabres and the Predators, two teams that we've pretty much dominated the last few years. Lost to them both at home. These inexplicable home losses just blow my mind. Now, now, in between the Predators and the Sabres loss, we beat the Blue Jackets 6-2. I mean, they're last in our division. And then we beat them 6-2 at Columbus. And then we came back and beat them again at Captain One Arena. It was a much closer game because you're a pro team and you just can't let a team punk you twice. So, yeah. That was a much closer game. We still won. So now we're fighting for our lives in Philly, and um, we're starting to cool off a little bit. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's happening. I don't know why they cooled down. But uh, looking at the points, um, our little slide has kept us from being first place. Now we're in fourth. We're behind the Rangers and the Devils now. Uh, I still like that win at Madison Square Garden, we won 4-0. <laughs> that was awesome. But, yeah, uh, I don't know, man. I don't know what's going to happen with these caps, man. Um, history tells me that a big slide is coming. 
and then a March run is coming, and then we're going to get cooked in the first round of playoffs. It happens every year since we've won that title. Hopefully, we can turn the corner and the hockey, the type of hockey we were playing in December, hopefully we can bottle that up and use that in the playoffs and go all the way because I want to go to another parade on Pennsylvania Avenue. What was the Constitution? It's Constitution. Yes, both the Nationals and the Capitals parade was on Constitution Avenue. I want to party on Constitution again. But we can't do that if we keep loafing and getting cooked in the first round. The caps are no caps. Now the caps are just caps. So let's just see what happens. Let's just see what happens. So I did have a hypothetical. I was going to do a, a Negro League baseball game, but... You know, I didn't prepare, of course, so I'm just going to have to take that L and maybe push it aside for next week. So I guess I am out. So, okay, GoLevelTees.com for all things GOAT Level. About to turn up, so it's never too late to get on the bandwagon. See, when I started out, it was you better get on a bandwagon before it's too late, meaning that you know, you got to get on now while I'm struggling because when the brand takes off and start making a lot of money, like, you're not going to be able to get in contact with me. You're not going to be able to reap the benefits of the brand. But actually, the Gold Level brand is so inclusive and it's it's spiritual and it's emotional. Like, anyone can possess these traits. So it's like... Anyone can benefit from the GOAT level brand. So I realized that and I'm like, you all can get on the bandwagon and it's never too late. So get on it. Get on it. Because it's going to take off. GOATLevelTees.com for all things GOAT level. You already know that I'm out. Peace. Thanks for listening to another episode of the GOAT level podcast. Make sure you share, subscribe, and get money.